Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $19 billion promotional products business. I'm Bobby Lehue. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Mark Graham, president of Right Sleeve and CEO of Common Skew. And joining us today is Paul Kiweed. Executive Director of the Michigan Promotional Professionals Association, former chairman of the Promotional Products Association International. Paul's a frequent speaker and facilitator on topics such as leadership development, creating value, the experience economy, and more. Many people know Paul because Paul has mentored many people in the industry, and so he's no stranger, and he's, he's a great guy to stay on top of trends and what's happening out there in the world of business. So, Paul, welcome to the Promo Kitchen podcast and community. Well, thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. So, Paul, one of the one of the thing or one of the things I recall uh, when when I first met you was I met you uh, because I was paired as your mentee in the promotional products mentoring program many years ago, and I remember meeting you in uh, the Las Vegas House of Blues. So, it's it's kind of neat to have you on the program now, so many years later, with us with us hosting this, and it's certainly very humbling to have you here. So, thank you. And Paul, um, may I add, question. Mark, and I, I'm sorry, Paul, may I add? Sure. Of course, now we of now we know who to blame. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Absolutely, it has been a long, long journey down a bad path uh, since uh, since I followed your leadership, Paul. But uh, anyways, <laughs> and then I met Bobby. <laughs> I, I, j- just for the benefit of the audience, do you mind? Because I know you've been in the industry for uh, for a few decades now. Uh, to to bring us through your career from the time that you started uh, as a distributor uh, and then how it's evolved, ultimately evolved into that of a coach, a mentor, and now as director of MIPA. All right. Well, it's been a, uh, a long, strange trip, that's for sure. Uh, actually, I started in the point-of-purchase uh, display business, um, working for a company that uh, designed and produced point-of-purchase displays, which got me... Uh, it taught me a, an incredibly important lesson that uh, I carried into this industry, and that was the need for uh, need creation as opposed to need fulfillment. Uh, when you're selling something like point-of-purchase displays, if you're waiting for somebody to say, hey, I need a point-of-purchase display, you're going to wait a long, long time. Yeah. And so uh, I started creating sales promotions uh, so that I could call up a company that I had already showed them my portfolio and say, uh, I've got a promotion idea I'd love to show you, and uh, and then I would walk them through the promotion, and, and there was always the need for a point-of-purchase display to execute it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked out fine until the freestanding insert developed and the sales promotion industry started developing and, and growing, and um, point-of-purchase kind of went out of favor. And I had uh, clients that said, hey, I, I love the promotion idea, but I don't want to buy a display. Uh, so I started Promotion Concepts in 1982 and uh, uh, started doing consumer sales promotions. Uh, it got me on the road of not being afraid to call on a Procter & Gamble or a, a Coca-Cola or a Kellogg's uh, consumer products companies because that's where I'd, I had started out from. Mm. Uh, eventually, it was actually Elmer's Glue and Krylon Spray Paints uh, had come to me and they said, you know, we bought... 10,000 displays from you and we did a, uh, a study and we only show that about 3,500 of them got put up. How can we get more displays put up? So I uh, discovered the premium incentive industry and, and trade incentives and display incentives and started saying, well, if you uh, have your 
your retailer send me a picture, I'll send them a, a mag light or I'll send them a, a cross pen or um, a, a variety of premium items, which led me into the promotional products field. Actually, it was Glenn Holt, uh, that amazing uh, mentor of many and a former uh, chairman of PPAI, yeah. who was involved uh, in both industries, and he kept encouraging me to uh, take a look at the promotional products industry. So, mm. mid-80s, I finally did, and it, it was great. My, uh, my, my first daughter was born in 1987, and I was starting to look for ways that could get me closer to home, uh, get me to have other people sell uh, for me, so I wasn't just a one-man show, and uh, the promotional products industry opened opened that up beautifully for me. Um, I got very involved in uh, the industry, obviously, and uh, it's kind of strange because I, I like to speak about differentiating ourselves, and it seems so trivial now. But uh, during that period, I uh, I, I quit cutting my hair. <laughs> Uh, and it's so kind of like I, Bobby then. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I I had hair uh, down down my back, and me and Joe Scott were were the, about the only two people in the industry with with hair uh, flowing down our backs, and also quite outspoken. And I was already writing and so on. Um, and I think that helped people uh, notice me and recognize me. And in nineteen uh, or in uh, two thousand. I cut my hair, and here it is, 2013, and I can still go to a show and have people go, oh, "Where's your hair? What happened to your hair?" Really? <laughs> so good. it made made quite an impression. So uh, that's that's my my tip of the day. If you want to get noticed in this <laughs> industry, grow your hair long. I'm, I'm your, ahead of you, Mark. I'm ahead. Yeah, of you. <laughs> yeah, your, yeah, yeah. Mine's yeah. falling out, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so Paul, at what point did you transition out of the? distributor business to get into coaching and and which which I believe then led you on this path to your current job. Yeah. Well, in 2005 I uh sold promotion concepts and uh, uh had maintained the Kellogg's account. I sold everything but the Kellogg's account and uh I was with Corp Logoware uh for a period of time but uh was very involved with PPAI as as a uh, um director and, and then uh, incoming chairman, chairman, and uh, immediate past chairman, really discovered that that, that was really what I loved doing, uh, speaking and uh, uh, coaching and consulting um, was, was what I loved doing. And I went through a period of my life where I had, had quite a few uh, losses come my way, including uh, uh, the loss of, of my wife uh, after 33 years of marriage. and. Uh, kind of put me at a place where I was really reevaluating what I wanted out of life. And I decided from now on, I'm only going to do the things I like doing. So I uh, mm. moved to Chicago, uh, lived in Chicago for a year and focused totally on building a speaking and, and coaching business. I uh, got my coaching certification. And uh, as life would have it, I fell in love with a Michigan woman who brought me back to Michigan and uh, mm. uh, I was doing what I do here in Michigan and, and the uh, executive director position with MIPA came open and I was thinking, you know, when I was chairman of PPAI, that was everything I liked doing. It sounds like something I'd like doing. So uh, last June, I became the uh, executive director of MIPA and uh, get to put together trade shows and uh, newsletters and marketing and um, and get to do a lot of uh, 
coaching and, and helping uh, the people in Michigan uh, establish their businesses and become more consultative. It, it, it's interesting uh, when I hear you saying, uh, or what the, the one thing that jumped out at me, Paul, when you were just mentioning that was this idea of focusing on something that you were that, that brought you true happiness and, and joy in your in your career. And I recall uh, speaking, uh, Bobby and I were speaking with uh, Trevor Neeson from Logomark, uh, it was about six, six, eight, uh, six, seven weeks ago. And one of the, one of the basis of our conversation, our bases of our conversation with Trevor was this idea that we're all working harder, faster, uh, more frenetically in this industry and people are having less and less fun. It's almost like there's a direct correlation between the two. Um, did you see that towards the end of your time as a distributor that people, that, that, that you saw the industries starting to head down a path of, of, um, uh, uh, starting to, uh, uh, how do I say this? Head down this path of uh, this dangerous path where people are starting to work harder for less money and less uh, less satisfaction. That that's a, a part of it. Um, we've obviously seen an, a great deal of commoditization um, in the industry, and. I always der derived a great deal of satisfaction out of out of creating solutions and creating promotions and and knowing that that was not there before that that it was totally my brainchild and and watching something go from from concept to uh, turning into a, a solution to a problem was where I got a great deal of satisfaction and yeah. I was seeing and under and was feeling. Um, just uh, diminishing degrees of satisfaction of just being in the uh, the need fulfillment business, where mm -hmm. a, a client was coming and saying we need um, ten thousand of these or even eight hundred thousand of 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 these. Uh, actually, it was a very large order that uh, made me realize that I wasn't getting satisfaction out of out of that part of uh, my work anymore. And uh, I I know the feel. When, when I give a, a speech or a presentation, even if it's the same topic, every time it's new. Uh, every time I, I, when I get done, it's like, wow, I like that one, or, or gee, I could have done that one better, or wow, I didn't expect to say that. You know, I, I kind of surprise myself, but I really allow myself to get into the moment, and uh, um, I like to do that when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people as well as just really focus on, on the here and now, and uh, that's been part of, of where my journey is. Um, I could probably make you both cry if I wanted to uh, get into <laughs> exactly uh, the full story of, of, uh, of my, my transition, but uh, uh, suffice it to say, I, I literally went through a period where I decided to take up Jesus on his uh, challenge to sell everything you own, give to the poor, and follow me. Um, uh, when I moved to Chicago, it was with a car, a dog, and what fit in the trunk. Uh, wow. I, I trust every day to bring me what I need. Hmm. Uh, uh, sh shed yourself of, <laughs> of your past life as a distributor. It's interesting that what you held on to was this idea of coaching and teaching and spreading the word of the very best elements of your time as a distributor over the last two decades. That's interesting to me that, you know, it's not like you decided to leave the industry entirely and start um, you know, selling 
uh, <laughs> selling life yeah. insurance. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Uh, this industry is the Hotel California. Uh, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, I'm, I'm curious on the, can you speak to this need creation versus need fulfillment a little bit more? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I think Promo, uh, Promo Kitchen has attracted an interesting community of people that want to think smarter, be smarter about business. They want to go to smarter, go, go to market smarter than they are. And, in in many ways, business has changed so dramatically. In many ways, it's it's the same as it ever was. And this need creation versus need fulfillment, you really are talking about a nerve I think you're hitting with the PK community and that so many of us want to get out in front of that more and better. How do we get out and, and prompt this need creation versus always responding, which is probably 90% of the industry, to this need fulfillment? Well, need, need creation is really about... It's hard work. Uh, it's really about getting into your client's brain. Uh, it's it's studying their business and where their their pain points are. Uh, and darn it, I just used one of the words I've told myself I wouldn't use. Uh, pain points is one of those overused ones, but <laughs> you know, it's it's seriously money make uh, problem solvers always make money. And if you're solving a problem, people don't don't look around and say where can I solve that problem cheaper? Uh, we don't go to the doctor and, and then start shopping around. We, When someone identifies a pain and, and provides a solution, we've taken money completely out of the equation. And that's pretty much the uh, mission that I'm on now is to try to get distributors to understand that they've got to do that. And it's it's harder work than asking how many do you need, when do you need them, and what yeah. do you want to spend? Uh, those those three questions, you know, were taught as the uh, the way to sell promotional products. And any other advertising medium, the salespeople don't ask questions like that. They yeah. ask, "What do you want to accomplish? Um, you know, where can we where can we make uh, a difference?" And uh, if we can be getting into it, like. One of the biggest sales I ever made was to uh, an appliance company where I created a, an incentive program based around shoes, of all things. But it took me months of going into stores, watching how people sold appliances, seeing who those people were, getting to understand what type of challenges they had in their lives, and what was it that was going to motivate a, a shoe sales or a, an appliance salesman. Um, Shoes was a wacky solution, but it was one that crossed an income range of people making less than $15,000 a year to making more than $150,000 a year, which described the uh, typical appliance salesperson. Mm. But it wasn't a matter of me asking them what they needed. If, if I'd asked the uh, client what they needed, they would have told me uh, something to replace spiffs or a bigger budget for their uh their spiffs because they were just writing checks to these people. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to change that to merchandise and, and sell $3 million worth of, of premium incentives and, and promotional products uh, and, uh, by solving their problem. And, uh, What's the first step? If you're a distributor listening to this and you hear Paul and you're like, I hear you, Paul. I've been taking orders for years. I wanna, I, or I, I, I'm new to this business. I want to do it right from the get-go. What is the first steps? Do you analyzing your client base, visiting with them, and literally just sitting down trying to discover what those pain points are? Yeah, I, I truly believe it is. I, I, mean, I believe it's looking at their desk. When you're sitting out there in the lobby, you're going to see some trade magazines that – 
you've never seen before. If you're calling on a Kellogg's, it's going to be Progressive Grocer. Uh, if you're calling on um, a hard goods company, it could be something like Durable Goods Manufacturing Today or some weird title like that. And you may look at it and go, there's nothing in here of interest to me. But every trade publication publishes the best practices within that industry. And yeah. that's one, one place where you can learn. I went to a lot of trade shows and a lot of industries that I didn't know about in order to learn what is it they're talking about in that industry. Yeah. Uh, because you quick, if you just look at the seminar titles of the restaurant convention, you know, um, you'll find out just by reading the titles of the seminars what the problems are in the restaurant yep. industry. That's uh, a great advice. advice. Yep. That's great advice. It's uh, and 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 so, Paul, did you spend uh, time uh, going to these trade shows and conventions where you were the only promotional products uh, salesperson, and people looked at you in a bit of a funny way, or like, what was your experience when you went to these conferences? Um, usually, I'd had to get like a trade visitor type badge because they didn't have a, a place for uh, for a, a promotional products distributor. I mean, I always. Right. I always positioned myself as a sales promotion agency, and and that uh, opened a few more doors than than uh, ad specialty distributor or or promotional right. products distributor would. And, but and did uh, you find that uh, like a that that your client, for instance, would uh, would would invite you so you could go in and under their badge? Is, quite is often. That one strategy as well. Yes, once I had a relationship. Uh, like with with Krylon spray paint, so I went to a lot of hardware shows um, when I had the the rain dance and and rally car car care products. Uh, I went to a lot of automotive shows, aftermarket shows, um, with the in the with the invitation of the the client, of course. Right, right. Um, and and Paul, t I know that we've had some discussions about this at at various shows that you and I have been at. Um, are are you? Are you seeing the uh, the degree of s a strategic salesmanship today worse in the promotional products business today than it's ever been, or 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 not? I wouldn't say it's worse. I, I would say it's more necessary. Um, and so or, or, there, or there's the a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably about the same. Um, yeah, there's there's some very high-level producing companies and, and people that, that get it, that understand that uh, they need to be on the strategic side of things if they they want to get out of the commodity side of things. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, have you um, is, what do you see in current trends today? We kind of ask every, put, put every poor speaker into the, this <laughs> terrible corner of getting their crystal ball out and trying to help us uh, divine the future. What are you seeing um, that is imminent and some of the biggest challenges for distributors today and opportunities? Are you seeing things dramatically different from when you were um, in, in the, the thick of your business? I think, uh, I, I think the fact that the uh, Internet has, has made product sourcing not a value um, or a value proposition anymore uh, is hurting an awful lot of people. And there was always that easy part of the business where someone knew that we had access to everything and so they would ask us for something. And we, we did have some of that need fulfillment sale that would fall on fall into our lap. And a lot of people were able to pretty make a pretty good living 
just by going out there and being a source for stuff. And uh, I just see that going away, particularly from both a technology standpoint and a, and a generational standpoint. The fact that younger buyers are used to using Google to find whatever they want in any category. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I haven't checked Surrey yet on my new my new iPhone, but um, she may even know yeah. where to find promotional products. Yeah. Do you, what, do you, what is your advice if, you, if a young distributor fate, uh, sits down with you at breakfast today, coffee, and asks, all right, Paul, I appreciate all your wisdom experience. I really love the idea of this industry. I'd like to get involved in it. What are some of your best tips for me? I would advise you to become a marketer. Learn about marketing. Learn about advertising because as an advertising medium, promotional products are just outstanding. And it's one of our our strengths, um, changing the name from promotional, from specialty advertising to promotional products may have taken our eye off of that advertising aspect of it. But we have a medium that is interactive, it's engaging, it, it, it stays around, it's got a low cost per impression. Uh, I can go on and on about what a powerful advertising medium promotional products are, and yet so few of us are, are going out there selling it as an advertising medium. Yeah. And there's huge, huge opportunity uh, to be positioning what it sh- <laughs> our product as what it is. It's advertising. Yeah. And in order to be selling advertising, we need to understand marketing. We need to understand branding. Um, those are things, I think, that are more important than, than knowing about at- product attributes and colors and, and style numbers. Yeah. Hmm. Paul, Paul, do you ever see the promotional products business going the way of the travel agency business? Oh, boy. There's a lot of similarities, but I, I still think that we've got, I think we've, we've got, uh, as long as we are an advertising medium and a marketing um tool and a, a means of branding, I don't see how it can be. Uh, the, the thing of just needing 1,500 t-shirts or, or 1,200 uh, coffee mugs, yeah, that part can, someone can go online, punch those things in and, and get what they need. To figure out how to uh, help a company attract more good employees and, and keep their good employees I don't think you can punch that into a into a search engine. Yeah. Uh, of how do you reactivate old customers? How do you build customer loyalty? Those are things I I don't think you can can just punch in a question into Google and get an answer to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be really interesting uh, to to see in the next five years, and this is something that Bobby and I will be speaking about when we're at the SAC show in a few months. Uh, and I'm not sure whether we've got the right answers. We probably have all the wrong answers, but you know, I think. Um, and if I put myself in my shoes as uh, from, from a distributor perspective, I've always been aware of the of of the of the following um, paradox. And the paradox is as follows, that whenever we sell something that is strategic, creative, um, and something that we're really proud of, chances are the number of hours that we have spent on that particular promotion 
if you were to look at the uh, at our hourly rate for that, it would be lower than if we were just pushing a thousand coffee cups. And and that's the paradox because even though we we're proud that we've built a company on offering strategic creative solutions to problems, the reality is that that takes a lot longer than pushing a thousand coffee mugs. And I think that that's the challenge of our business that you if you're at any of these big trade shows and you'll see a lot of people that are hoarding the catalogs and there might not necessarily be the greatest greatest terms for those people but at the end of the day if someone like that is going back home and writing 400 grand at 30% gross margin and they have no overhead they're earning a pretty decent living, probably more than the guy who's selling a million dollars, who's got office space and is being a little bit more strategic. And I think that's the paradox. And I and I wonder whether the internet will come down hard on those people and ultimately put them out of business. And the people that will stay are those people that have really invested in that strategic creative problem solving. So that's the paradox that I find today. And I think, Bobby, to your point before, that's the, I think that a distributor who is more transaction, more reactive, more order-taking oriented, I think would really struggle with moving into a more strategic mindset because at the end of the day, it takes more hours. It takes more time. It's more of a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. And uh, and the solution selling oftentimes is a lot more challenging. Um, many of the biggest and, and most innovative things I've sold – I've had to resell five or six times. You know, I've yeah. gotten past one level, and then yeah. suddenly someone at yeah. another level is blocking it. Um, For sure. But but the paradox you described is it's also interesting when you look at uh, advertising agencies and the more sophisticated marketing agencies. They charge for their time and they give away the product. Yeah. We we give away our time and charge for the product. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that's that, probably the most immediate challenge in our industry right now is that when you pinpoint this time in history, we are in this state of flux where we are post-recession. Um, if you want to even draw back a little further um, from, from the 2000 uh, recession, we're, we're all post-recession here for a couple of waves, but we're, in, we're really talking about a transitionary period, I think, in the industry's history. And when you look at this period, you'll find out, I think, that the biggest problem we have at this juncture is charging for those serve. Maybe it's always been that way, but it's more acute now because those value propositions are in question. Right. Well, and, and, and we were talking about Joseph Scott beforehand, and, you, and we had him on the program a couple weeks ago. And you think about guys like that that are, on one hand, selling promotional products, but then they've also extended themselves into these really new and fascinating business units where they're able to charge a retainer and and uh, they're able to charge for creative services. And I, if my memory serves me correct, Bobby, I think that Joe, Joe said that the majority of his business is now on the retainer creative side yeah. and less on the promotional products. And I know that uh, Kathleen... Uh, booth in Maryland. She's got a distributorship that sells social media strategy and, and creative services. And um, it's it's interesting to see that that switch. Heidi Thorne in Chicago. Yeah. She's done the same thing. And um, I know we've debated about it long and hard at Right Sleeve because a lot of what we do is is on is on the creative side. And but we've struggled to to charge for that and still yeah. found it making better sense to build it into the product. Yeah. 
But there's no question that we are building it into the product. It's really just smoke and mirrors at the end of the day. Right. Hopefully no end users are listening to this. But. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, are, are you seeing this trend? Are, Paul, are you coaching people about charging services? What's your advice when you get into situations like that with the distributor? If you've got enough of a distinction um, and are, are doing things that are um, outside of product, definitely um, you need to be charging for that. Um, if it's getting in at the uh, the concept stage and, and developing it, um, I recommend charging a separate creative fee uh, for the creativity. Um, with my larger clients, I've often charged a creative fee, a project management fee, um, would develop uh, cell sheets and, and brochures and printed materials to go with it and, yeah. and would charge uh, creative fees for all of that. And then... Uh, usually in my proposal, it somewhere would say that uh, you know the uh, the products are quoted include uh, our fees. If they wish to purchase the products outside of uh, my company, they could could do so. However, an additional hourly fee would be quoted um, for that that service as well. And for creative services, Paul, did you have a set fee in mind? Uh, was it was this very project by project? What was sort of your pricing policy on services? It was usually um, a fee of around two hundred and fifty dollars an hour okay. uh, that that I could uh, that I could get <laughs> I could could yeah. quote and get for that. Okay. Yep. Cool. But that's amazing because then it, then it's uh, now putting you on par with uh, with what some lawyers charge, which is uh, right. I mean maybe not the high end guys on Wall Street, but uh, certainly a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of higher end creative prof- or a lot of higher end uh, service providers and professionals will be charging that rate. So that's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. Well, Paul, was there any before we get into our uh, ten questions? Or was there any topic that you really wanted to touch on that we haven't discussed here yet? Um, you've hit my my high points. Okay, you need to be selling. You you need to be finding the pain and being the aspirin. Yeah, uh, solving problems is problem solvers always make money. Yeah. So you know what, Bobby? I apologize here. I want to throw in one other thing yeah. that uh, that that I think would be interesting to spend uh, uh, two or three minutes on. Paul, I know that you ha- since June you've been the executive director at MIPA, and and this puts you in a position where you're you see distributors as well as suppliers. And one of the things that uh, I know we've discussed in the past is how there's this almost an ex. Uh, um, a disproportionate focus of attention on distributors and trying to move them up the chain. But we as an industry spend very little time educating and training our suppliers to be better, more strategic, more creative salespeople. And I know, just from my perspective as a distributor, we certainly deal with a number of excellent suppliers. But I've also come across my fair share of suppliers that talk the talk this big game of wanting to be more proactive and more strategic, <laughs> more creative. And, and, and as soon as you start providing them with that information, like here's who my client is and here's the industries and here's how we're quoting your products and here's our challenges and here's how we can get you to help. They often look at us or, or some suppliers will look at us like a deer in the headlight. And it's almost like we've called their bluff because then they'll say something like, uh, how about this mint tin? 
And you're yeah. like, uh, how can I bring that to my Fortune 500 company that has asked me for an integrated marketing program to solve such and such a problem? And then the, the supplier salesperson's like, uh, I'll get back to you on that. And, yeah. and, and, and I find that frustrating because there's a lot of people, particularly suppliers, that will, be, that will almost look down at distributors and say, well, the distributors aren't educated and they're order takers, blah, blah, blah. And I say, with all due respect, I'm not so sure I buy it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, you're absolutely right, uh, Mark. The uh, the need for education is is great, and there is a very very strong product orientation um, on many of the supplier side. Uh, there's some very good experienced people who have seen it all, who understand that they also need to be problem solvers. But uh, you're right, for many of them. Uh, they're they're selling uh, screwdrivers, and so every every or I should say nails, and every every problem problems a hammer, or however that saying goes. I mean yeah. they, um, and uh, the idea of calling a product an idea has has always been one of my my pet peeves. Um, and hmm. us on both sides, we often refer to uh, we we refer to a coffee cup as a as a an idea and. When it's only being used to plug in a product into a product proposal, yeah. um, I, I mentioned many years ago I started uh, with the Krylon spray paint account, and I was doing their point of purchase and, and had positioned myself as a sales promotion agency. And my my client at the time made a uh, not so nice reference to a promotional product salesperson um, and said, you know, that guy's always calling on me. He's always trying to sell me coffee mugs. Why would I ever want to buy a coffee mug? And me being me, I took that as a challenge and uh, came back to them a month or two later with uh, take a Krylon coffee break, uh, promoting the fact that it dried to the touch in 30 minutes and you could apply your second uh, your second coat. Nice. And and sold them ten thousand coffee cups with yeah. uh, take a, take a Krylon coffee break. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I I sold them an idea. I didn't sell them a coffee cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. Exactly. And it doesn't matter whether it's a four dollar mug or it's a you know a two dollar and fifty dollar mug. So right. two dollar and fifty cents. So it's that's a great story. Great story. Well, Paul, I am counting on you. As the, here you go. Here's a big, big, big uh, expectation here to change how suppliers go to market to distributors as your time at MIPA. There you go. I think that's a... <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go. And Bobby will follow up with you. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, hey, let's launch right into our 10 questions, Paul. Um, All right. Number one, what is your favorite word? Uh, my favorite word is an overused word, um, but I love it. Awesome. I use it as a noun, a verb, an adverb, an adjective, but it's also a goal and, and an aspiration. I think we need to focus on always being awesome. Room, desk, and car, which do you clean first? <laughs> um, I kind of go in reverse order. I, I clean the room first, then the car, and then the desk, and I spend most of my time at the desk, and then probably the car and the least amount of time in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite animated film? Um, I love Wallace and Gromit, and uh, they had a full-length uh, animated film called Chicken Run. Uh, I yeah, love that. That was a great one. Great one. Uh, favorite beverage? Um, I like red wines that require a knife and fork. Um, <laughs> big, big hearty ones like a Malbec or a Merlot or Syrahs. Yeah. 
Okay, great. First uh, Mars visit, you can only take the complete works of one artist and author with you. Who are they? I love Ernest Hemingway. I've read all of his work. I've read nearly every biography about the guy. Um, I find him fascinating, and, mm. and I could reread his works. Uh, Picasso, simply because he's gone through um, a lot of different iterations and uh, also fascinating uh, what that man could make a line mean. Yeah. Did you see <laughs> Did you see Midnight in Paris? I did. Yeah, I did. it's great. It. Great. Um, what excites you about our industry? Uh, creativity. Um, you know, we have so much undiscovered potential. Um, th- this industry can do so many things. It, it needs to be part of the marketing toolbox. Uh, no other media can touch us when it comes to engagement, uh, to brand affinity. I mean, uh, yeah, okay, maybe a maybe a Harley-Davidson tattoo is the ultimate brand affinity, but uh, people carrying around bags and, and pens and things with, with the client's names, that low cost of impression, repetition, recall, appreciation, we're the only one that can touch all five senses. Um, mm. We're the only ones that, I mean, who can match us in targetability? I mean, <laughs> you want to reach bird watchers, we can imprint binoculars. You want to reach fishermen, we can imprint a Rapala lure. Um, extremely targeted. Uh, yeah. And all of the different objectives, uh, appreciation, motivation, training, traffic building, advertising, brand building, you name it. Uh, we've got uh, a product that, when delivered properly, can can help achieve it. Awesome. What deflates you about our industry? Uh, exactly what you said about that. Uh, what happened to the uh, the travel agency business and the office uh, office business? Uh, look up commodity in the dictionary, and and our picture. Uh, could be there. Mm-hmm. Um, that race to the bottom just uh, annoys me. Uh, when, when we see a great new product or idea come into our industry, how quickly we can just drive the price down. Remember when Lance Armstrong brought out the uh, the silicone bracelet and and Livestrong bracelets were were going for twenty dollars and people were willing to pay five bucks for them. And within a year, we drove drove that down to about twelve cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the. Uh, the, the really hard work is, is how can we be different and how can we be more relevant? And that's really what's, what's going to pay and, and drive prices up. Yeah. yeah. What, what profession other than our own would you like to attempt? <laughs> well, I'm doing it. I, I absolutely love speaking. Um, I love writing. And I would love to be able to just make a living, living through creative writing and, and creative living. Um, that's what I'm trying to do, and uh, I'm having fun doing it. Awesome. What uh, profession would you not like to do? I don't want to be an arms dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a good one. Uh, favorite favorite app slash software at the moment? Uh, I've got uh, an app called Fit Radio um, on my my phone, and it uh, it streams high beats per minute music. Um, by genre so when i get on the treadmill um i can play uh born to run and every other song with that type of uh beats per minute comes up on it and and really provides a great soundtrack for my workouts that's cool does it actually use the music in your player uh actually it's kind of a a pandora type thing so it's streaming from another source cool i'll check that one out for sure 
Well, yeah. guys, this has been informative. Paul, I have a few of my takeaways from this, this need creation versus need fulfillment. Definitely for myself, um, taking this back uh, to our own team to kick this around more. And I, and I wrote this down, who can match us in targetability? I think that is crucial. And yeah. so that's just a few of my takeaways. Uh, this has been a great conversation, Paul, and we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, do, you, do you guys have any further comments? Mark, any qu- further questions? Or Paul, any final words? No, just uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys and uh, and really appreciate what uh, Promo Kitchen is doing. It's it's raising the bar in industry. Thank you. Well, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate the uh, the time. It's been uh, a real honor getting or certainly knowing you over the years, and uh, this is a real high point for me on the on the podcast. So, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. And as Bobby said, that I'll be making sure that uh, the rest of my team at Right Sleeve is uh, tuning into this one when we publish. Great. And uh, don't forget, PK Friends coming soon to the PK Podcast is Daniel Pink. It will be on Tuesday, May 7th, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. And Mark, um, I believe, yeah, if you go to the Promo Kitchen homepage, you can click on the link there and get taken to a registration page. Go fill that out. And we have, uh, Mark, do we have, do we still have books left, Mark, at this point? You, you know what? We have literally five spots left. Wow. So we, we launched uh, the podcast a couple of days ago, and the response has been phenomenal. So yeah. five left. And by the time this has been published, maybe, uh, maybe right. they'll all be gone. But You're probably uh, right. Well, it's it's uh, it'll be very exciting. Great response. Um, and if you have specific questions you would like to ask Daniel Pink, um, feel free to email Mark or I before the podcast. We'd love to kick that around. Um, Mark is mg at rightsleeve dot com, and, and you can email me at bobby at bobbylehu dot com. It's easy to remember, or blehu at robinperma dot com. Either way, but we would love to hear your questions, and uh, we're real thrilled about this. Mark, a big thanks to you for once again knocking it out of the park, my friend. Not at all. It's a joint effort. It's a joint effort. All right. (laughs) Paul, thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys later. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.